Witchy and Weird Podcast. Hello, everyone. I am back and I was going to say refreshed from my vacation, but it's more like really tired and sore from all the walking. Um, I went to New York with my boyfriend for 11 days. It was his first time in New York, so we did all of the touristy things so I jam-packed every single day I mean we didn't see everything but we saw a lot but I went for my cousin's wedding and we were supposed to go for vacation last year and because of COVID we didn't go uh, because everything was closed so yeah it was great it was amazing I can't believe my cousin is married it still feels fake to me like he owns a house already he he lived he lives with his now wife it's wild um (laughs) But so many amazing things happened about learning about myself. Like I met cousins I never knew, which was really cool. And one of them is like this famous psychotherapist. And we literally do the same exact work. It is wild. He's like a therapist for celebrities, like big name celebrities. And we literally do the same work, except he approaches it from like the science side. And I approach it from like the psychic intuitive side. But literally same work just different words it was wild I'm so excited um to get to know him more but anyways today we're talking about divination and I'm really excited for this episode I was doing a bunch of research because I wanted to make this more one of the like deep dive occult episodes so the first part we're going to be talking about like what is divination and different divination tools that have been used throughout history and are currently being used There's way too many to go over all of them. Like if you go on Wikipedia and you research like modes of divination or something like that, there's like a list of like hundreds of different types of divination because there is, it's like any intuitive practice. There's so many ways to do these things to interpret divine messages. We can get them from anywhere, right? Like people do the basic angel numbers all the way up to like, crystal balls and like runes and things. So we're going to talk about all of that. And then in the second part, I am going to talk about like my psychic messages that I've received about divination um, and my like experience working with divination methods and what I recommend to watch out for um, because a lot of people rely too heavily on the divination part and give away their power, which is the episode we had before, right? Giving away your power is a very common thing in any occult or spiritual practice. And I'm all about empowerment. So here we are. <laughs> so in case you weren't aware, divination is just a way to interpret divine information to find answers to problems or questions so there's that's why it's such a broad thing that there can be so many different ways to do that. So this is in no particular order. I did a bunch of research um, from different cultures and things that I personally knew. And I looked up like the formal names for them. So I'm just going to go through my list that I made and talk about. I picked out like the common ones and ones that I thought were cool. 
So, I mean, oldest recorded, and I do want to recognize that a lot of this research is probably, I tried really hard to um, make it more rounded for all of the cultures. So there is stuff in there. But of course, like when you research, it's like the oldest thing is like the Bible. And it's like people existed before the Bible. Like, it's not just white people. So I do want to acknowledge that. But I do want to say I did include lots of different cultures. And I, I said, it's so large that I there's probably something from your culture that I'm not including. And that's totally cool, because I'm just trying to show that there's a broad example and to give you ideas for maybe things that you can connect with culturally and use. But they were talking about the original form of this that we've all seen in like Greek, Egyptian, African, Roman times is basically like seers and oracles or like fortune tellers or like sorcerers, um, which in common terms is just like psychics, right? These are people that were venerated and people that were sought out and looked to by like kings and lots of like higher up people for advice because they had a divine connection and they were able to see visions, interpret messages and all that stuff and provide insight for rulers um, to know like, do I go to war? Will there be a famine? All these things. So that is kind of like the basic, like oldest, quote unquote oldest, right? We know there's probably stuff older (laughs) Um, that I've seen. Um, And then the next kind would be, they call it personality types. So basically it's like using different methods to learn about your personality type or your traits about you. So um, stemming from like Islamic cultures as astrology, we all know about astrology. This is using the placement of the planets to and the like stars and constellations to understand aspects about you and your personality and this is also seen in chinese zodiac right we have like year of the ox year of this and those um are also like very ancient and then we have human design which is a lot newer but human design i've talked about a few times i really love human design draws off of astrology And that tells you about like your life path and how you work best and what food you should eat and all this stuff, which is divination, right? It's looking at the stars and telling you about who you are. Um, Very similar to this would be numerology, right? A lot of people do know numerology, which angel numbers is a form of numerology, but also you can take like your birthday and like boil it down into numbers and then you get one number a single digit number and that tells you like your like the I think they call it like your life path or something like that where it's like the type of person you are based off a number um and people do this for like your names too um so if you've never done that there's like TikToks about it you can like google it it's pretty cool like I looked up mine and it made a lot of sense too so then there's a subset of personality types called somatomancy and somatics is like dealing with your body Um, so you may have heard of like somatic therapy or somatic movements, right? So this basically looks at like your body, your physical body parts to divine information about you. So the one that I've worked with and I've seen before is what's called the doshas, which is an Ayurvedic body type. So this is like, uh, Indian continent, 
or Asian continent, but like in India, they use this. And so there's three different doshas. So there's vata. And so basically what it is, is it's like based off of your body type, you can learn a lot about how you communicate, what you should eat, like how you work, how your metabolism works and all this stuff. So I really like doshas because people who work, I learned it from somebody who works in um, like healing, like body image and loving your body and loving yourself. Um, because many of us, we fall prey to like, I need to look skinny or whatever the uh, societally hot version of body types is. Right now, it's like the Kim Kardashian body type. So it's like, I need to be really skinny, but also have really big boobs and really big butt and really big lips, right? Um, so this is the Ayurvedic body types is really cool because it tells you like, this is your natural body shape. And you shouldn't be like fighting to be really skinny when actually there's a there's a type there's three doshas and one of them you're not supposed to be skinny you're supposed to be bigger like that's just your natural body shape so it number one helps you with your like your mental health um but I'll go over them like briefly so vata is what's a body type that's guided by air and space and so they equate each body type to elements. Um, and so if you have a vata body, you're like taller, skinnier, lankier in nature. Um, and mostly you have qualities of air. So you speak quickly, you move through things quickly, you have a fast metabolism, etc. The second body type is the pitta, which is uh, associated with the element of fire. And so these people are of medium build. They're usually like stronger, more muscular. Um, their communication is like more passionate and loud um and like fiery you know traits right and then we have the kapha which is water and earth and these are the body types that are a little bit bigger they have more meat on them they have bigger hips wider hips um and so they're more like level-headed chill um they're like usually quieter um they're like more pleasant to be around like in their communication style they um they're like good at saving money they're just like I don't know like safe is like the word but it makes sense it's like the earth, water and earth energies right so you can look that up there's quizzes for that you can look at there's tons of people that do that so if you're interested on what your dosha is um there's a lot more information so then kind of like going with the somatomancy there's physiognomy which is when you literally look at the person's like face um, to learn about their character and their personality. So we have chiromancy, which is palm reading. And there's also face reading. And there's a few other mancies, other types of divination, um, where they look at your skull, they look at your feet, they look at your butt. I know there's like this lady who's like really famous for doing like reading people's butts and she charges like a lot of money. So there's so many different ways that we can look at our body and what it's like. I remember my cousin's bar mitzvah, they had a face reader and I was like, whoa, because I have always been into that kind of stuff. So I did the face reading and they were like, because I have a really, I have a round face and a small chin. They're like, oh, this means that you take on a lot and you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You take on too many things. And then you you um, overwhelm yourself because of your small chin. And I was like, wow, this is on brand. So it's really wild how they like learn all these things. And this is in many cultures that do this. So I kind of just like talked about the practice. 
like I read that they do this in Japan. They've done it like in ancient cultures. Um, like I was saying, there's like Indian and other stuff. So um, those are just a few of those ones. Then we have bibliomancy, which in the sources that I found said it was popularized from Islamic cultures as well. They would read the Quran, which is their like holy book. Um, for prophetic advice. So bibliomancy, a lot of people actually do this currently. Um, it's basically when you take a book and you open it to a page and whatever that page is, is the information that you need for that day, right? Or that time period or whatever question you're looking or problem you're trying to find solution for. So usually for bibliomancy though, you would use like a sacred text or something that's not just like a random book on your shelf. Um, that's There's a lot of books like, again, TikTok, Google it. There's a lot of books that are great for that. Like there's like witchy books or like self-help books. They actually make books that are similar to like Oracle decks where you're supposed to do bibliomancy with them. So there's tons of resources for that. And it's very easy, right? Like you just flip, you ask your question, you put your intention, you flip to the page. That's the information you need. A fun, like, offshoot of this is Aleromancy, which is literally, like, the same thing but with fortune cookies. So it's, like, you read the fortune cookie and you take that knowledge. And I thought it was really fun because one of my BFFs, um, Daisy, uh, she found out she was a witch when she read a fortune cookie. And that was what spurred her, like, witchcraft journey and um, their, like spiritual awakening so that's just fun um so then we have i'm hopefully i'm pronouncing all these right obviously they're like latin names we have filiomancy which if you've seen harry potter you've seen it it's when you use leaves so tea readings right you drink your tea at the bottom there's that scene in harry potter when they're in the divination class and they're supposed to read the tea and then harry potter's like tea reading is like crazy and it makes the teacher go crazy um, anyways, so yeah, tea readings, using leaves for readings. Um, then we have Oniromancy, which is dream interpretation, which also comes from Islamic culture um, because they talk about it in the Quran, in their book. Um, there's a few different people that they highlight stories about dream interpretation, which is really popular. I know somebody who like is a psychic who does dream interpretation for people. There's like books where you can learn about what certain things in dreams symbolize and mean. So that's also a really fun one. Um, a lot of people get intimidated by this one. Like I know I'm a little bit intimidated to do like dream interpretation because it's like, oh, I saw a bird. That must mean like I'm afraid of flying. And it's like, no, it means something totally different that I would never guess. But honestly, with a lot of this stuff, it's like you could, it's a similar, I would say, um, philosophy to tarot where it's like you could memorize all the tarot cards and what they mean, but then you're kind of limiting yourself to listening to your intuition, right? So, you know, if you're interested in dream interpretation, find a book, but also like go intuitively. Like if you feel like you don't need that and you just want to like sit down and write it down and then interpret it later, that's totally cool. Um, I've seen this on TikTok. I didn't know it existed. And then I thought it was really cool when I saw it on TikTok. It's called Seromancy, which is when you drip hot wax into water. It was really cool. So the person that was doing it, they drip the hot wax into the cold water. And then based off of the shape that the wax makes, they interpret it and they like share information about it and they see like shapes. It's kind of like cloud 
cloud readings, which is probably another form of divination, right? Um, so this then we have this next big chunk that's like a really big, um, I would say like sub or overarching category, which is casting of lots or claromancy. So casting of lots is like when you throw a group of objects out and then you interpret and read it. So like people do this with runes. They do this with twigs and stones. I've seen it with like people doing stuff like that. Dice, dominoes. I even read that in ancient Mesoamerica, they would do it with maize, which is corn, like corn pieces. Um, So a very popular like Chinese and Japanese form of this is called the I Ching. And it's like this ancient um, divination book. And it uses cleromancy. So it's like a whole like system, but basically like you get six numbers between six and nine, and then you turn them into like a hexagram. And then you look that up in the text. And then the way that it's arranged, then you, there's like a specific sequence, and then you can interpret that information to give you like your divine message. So it kind of feels like cleromancy mixed with bibliomancy, but it's a very popular thing. It It's very old. Um, and they even use the, the I Ching in like Japanese tarot too. It's like a subset of type of tarot. So I don't really, obviously I'm not claiming to know anything about this, um, but I read and I thought it was really cool, but it, it um, they used it in like Buddhism, Confucianism and Taoism. So it's very old. Um, and they also relate to like yin and yang, which is pretty cool. Then there's one that I read that I thought was pretty cool. It's called the Po and it's a Taiwanese practice. And basically Po means like moon boards. So they take half crescent moons, two of them, and then you hold them in your hand and you kneel down and then you put them up to your forehead and then you drop them. And then the way that they fall, you interpret like the message that kind of reminded me of when you see like those videos of people doing cord cuttings and then they see like which way it burns, the can the rope burns and the candle. And then you can interpret the information about the person's relationship, right? That's a form of divination. Um, I mean, like in terms of like anything else with casting a lot, if you, if you use runes, if you use dice or dominoes, like you kind of know, it's like you throw it out or you put it in like kind of, I don't know, some people I've seen in like kind of like a Yahtzee type cup. And then they put it out and then they like look at what falls and they interpret information. It's really cool. Um, so next we have scrying, which like if you've seen Charmed, you've seen them scry. Um, <laughs> so there's three main types or ways that you can scry, which is in a mirror, in a crystal ball or in water, some kind of like reflective surface basically. Right. And so the goal is to receive divine messages or visions um by looking into it and it depends on your culture and how far you go i know some people will create like a black background with black salt for protection on their mirror that they use for scrying because they don't want unwanted energies coming through because a mirror is like an open portal for any energy you know like we've seen crystal ball that's like the trope for like fortune tellers like it's in the haunted mansion it's in all those things um, but you you basically just look into it until you see something. And the same with water. Water, like you can look into a body of water and see what comes up. So that's like a whole practice in and of itself um, just to do over time and to get better at. Um, I thought this was really cool. 
I learned that the Aztecs even have a god. So if I pronounce the name wrong, I apologize. <laughs> but it's Tezcatlipoca. And it's like a patron for sorcerers and practitioners of magic because like scrying and doing the casting of the cleromancy, the casting of lots was like commonplace in like a lot of ancient cultures. And it, I just thought it was really cool in the Aztec cultures. Like it's so common for people to do that, that they have a whole God that helps you with that. Um, the next one is geomancy which at first I was kind of like okay I didn't want to include it but then I learned it's associated with feng shui and I really love feng shui maybe I'll do like an episode I actually did a whole class on feng shui from somebody so maybe I'll bring her on um but anyways geomancy is when you interpret markings on the ground or you throw like a handful of sand or soil or rocks and then you interpret those which is kind of like casting of lots but with earth-based things um and so the way that feng shui kind of factors into that is like you're interpreting the environment and the land around you to harmonize the goal of feng shui is to harmonize yourself with your surrounding environment right usually feng shui is used for like buildings and homes but it's taking into consideration the land like the placement of your home on the land like the direction north south east west what what um there's feng shui has like a little bit in astrology um then with the actual surrounding environment and it even changes like each year there's like themes based off the position of like the earth it's a whole thing um and so the goal of that is to use your environment to create harmony within your living space or you know people use it i know in uh, the disneyland in shanghai they use feng shui because that's a common like practice in Asian cultures. Um, so yeah, it's really fucking wild. I love feng shui. I got like so into it. I did feng shui in my home. I, yeah, maybe I think I might do an episode on feng shui, but it's really cool because it's just another way to like interpret information for either the year how the planets are what the energy of the year is and like the energy of your space and I liked it because it was like a physical action or thing that you could change to change your energy so it's like you're intentionally creating excuse me creating your space to like suit you and your needs instead of just like you know, they say everything is a spell. Words are spells, thoughts are spells. So it's like, obviously, your placement of things in your home could be intentional and have magical value, right? Um, so then we have um, cardomancy, which is divining from cards. This one, like many people use. So like tarot, I was saying like the is it's a Western creation. Um but even Japan has, like, they have, like, five, like, subsets of their own versions of tarot. Um, and many, and, like, you've seen, I've seen in other cultures, like, in hoodoo, they will do this, but with playing cards. So there's there's tons of ways that you can do cardomancy, and I know there's other cultures that do it as well. And then this one I thought was really cool. It's called Sciomancy or Shadowmancy, which I was like, isn't this just shadow work when I was reading it? Um, and it basically said it was like doing a ritual to invoke deities with the goal of perfecting oneself. And I was like, okay, this is shadow work. But basically it's like doing rituals to work with the shadow to, div- to get divine information, right? Which is 
shadow work but i i guess like this one said like specifically with deities but a lot of people do shadow work with deities um and then we have shufflemancy (laughs) which i really liked because i didn't know there was actually a term for it but it's basically when you use like modern technology to get divine messages so like a lot of people um i've seen it before like where it's like you shuffle you set your intention and then you go on your spotify or your apple music whatever you use to listen to your music. Um, And then you shuffle and like the third song is like the message that's for you from your guide. So it's like using like random technology um, algorithms to intentionally get messages. So I really like that one Um, because I've done it before. It's really easy also. Like if you're like, oh, I I don't want to like pull out a book. I don't want to do any of this. I can just set my intention and then hit shuffle, see what song comes up for me. So I know that was a lot of information, but I kind of wanted to go over like some of the different ways. Like I said, there's like a whole list of so many different ways. There's like a whole subsect, I think it was called theromancy with just like you interpreting animal behavior and animal like movements and things like that, like all the way down from like birds to ants to everything, right? Um, so there's so many different ways to interpret divine information that I just wanted to give kind of like an overview of it because I feel like we get very bogged down again, another theme in this podcast with new age, um, spirituality, just by telling us this is the only way, right? Like the most common one sage smudging. That's the only way you can cleanse your energy. No, no, no. There's so many other ways, right? People just don't know that. Oh, I think I'm going to do that as my second episode for this week. (laughs) Um, Different ways to cleanse your energy, to protect your energy. Okay. Anyways. Um, Yeah. And so like, I just wanted to bring some examples that I thought were cool that I've seen people use to kind of open up your mind and maybe things that you already knew, or maybe to you're hearing this, you're like, ooh, that really interests me. So that you can start diving in. Like a lot of these practices belong to certain cultures. So it's like if you're uh, not vibing with the ones that you've seen, maybe it's like you don't have an ancestral connection to it and you want to learn, you know, like the version from your culture um, or, you know, some of these, every culture uses them. So it's like there's tons of different things that you can do to divine information, right? Like, and I was saying like the basic one, which most people see as the most powerful one is just being psychic, which everybody has the ability to do. Um, And just using your intuitive, like your body, your intuitive abilities within you to gather divine information and messages. So yeah, I really like um a lot of divination methods because it gives you a physical item to work with um actually didn't talk about pendulums is a really common one that a lot of people do like I would say pendulum is like similar to like the Ouija board a lot of people use them together um you can get yes or no answers with the pendulum uh or if you use like a Ouija board or some kind of like keyboard type you know, thing with all the letters, you can actually have them like spell out words for you with the pendulum. Um, That's another way of divination. Um, But I think it's nice because it's like, if you're still beginning and you're unsure, you can use these things to help you um, 
to interpret messages and kind of like hone in instead of getting all this random information and not knowing what to do with it. It makes it a lot easier and accessible. Sometimes if you're not feeling like comfortable in your abilities or trusting in your abilities. Um, And it's just, I find like a lot of them are fun and cool to use, which is like definitely an important thing to do and make sure that you're doing when you work in in the spirit world is to have fun, um, in my opinion. Yeah. So just to, yeah, all the things that I said, there's tons out there. It's cool stuff. You can have an ancestral connection. You can make it more fun, have a tangible item, all of that. So I'm going to take a break. And then when I come back, I'm going to talk about like my divination tips, like my do's and don'ts type of thing. And like my experiences with divination and with my clients working and using divination tools Um, and like kind of like just different ways to empower yourself when you're using these things. Okay, so I'm back (laughs) and we're going to talk about divination tips. I feel like it's such a lame word, like tips and tricks. It's like, yo, I'm going to tell you some divination secrets. Ooh, mysterious secrets that only I know. I'm just kidding. Probably a lot of other people know these. But anyways, um, I do think whatever form of divination you choose to know the limits of your tool, right? So as a psychic, and when I teach my intuitive courses, which by the way, I have my Master Your Energy um, class on my website, and it's even on the link for um, the podcast Instagram and, and website and stuff too. You can buy it. It's like a at-your-own-pace course. Um And I'm going to be releasing a lot more stuff about growing your intuition. Um, But like as a psychic, I talk about this with my clients. And in that course, like knowing where your information comes from is kind of like the limits of the psychic tool, I guess, as an example. So as a psychic, we're basically a middleman for divination, a middle person for divination. So we aren't the source we are interpreting the information through our intuitive abilities, our clairs, which I'm going to be uh, <laughs> all these uh, shameless self plugs. I'm going to be releasing a like PDF that's called meet the clairs and it'll be like a free thing on my website. So that's going to be coming up this week um, that talks about the different clairs and like what they are and how to grow them. Right. If you have them. I mean, you can have all of them if you work at it, but some people have like a predisposition to others. But anyways, um, so as a psychic, like I'm interpreting information through my intuitive abilities and then sharing it, you know, trying not to have a bias when I share it, my personal bias, but also like knowing who you're asking that information, right? So if, if I'm asking a deity, Versus if I'm asking somebody's past loved one versus if I'm asking my spirit guides, all the information is going to come to me through a different lens, right? So it's knowing the limit, like all that information comes from the Akashic records, which that's a whole nother podcast. So if you don't know, please Google it if you're interested in it. But basically it's like this big room library space that has, it's like the record keeper, the records of every single person ever. Each person has their own room with all their past lives as books and you can access them, right? You can learn 
to go there yourself. So then you know that you're getting like unbiased information, right? But most of these other beings that we communicate with, they they reference the Akashic Records and they bring you the information through their lens, through their bias, and then you share it with them. So there's a difference. Like if a client asks me, I'm looking for advice on this matter um, from my grandma who passed away, then they're going to get advice from that grandma, but through that grandma's lens, through a human lens, through their personality that they had during this lifetime, right? Because when you speak with a spirit, you're just accessing their energetic signature from that lifetime, right? They've likely incarnated or moved on, but we're like kind of like time traveling and speaking to that energy, that energetic signature from the lifetime that they're referencing that the person knew them as. Um, versus if they're like, I'm looking for advice on this matter for my spirit guides, you're going to get totally different answers. I mean, it generally will be like the same base thing, but the grandma's going to care about something else more than the spirit guides, right? Like the spirit guide is probably going to lean towards like growing, learning, ending cycles, like bigger picture. The grandma might be like, I don't like this person. Don't, don't be with them. It might be the same answer. Like don't be with the person, but the reasoning would be different. Right. So it's important to acknowledge the limits of your tools. So um, for all of these different like divination things that I just talked about, then you just want to know like the, I guess like the common one that I, when I wrote this down, I was referencing was the pendulum, right? So we talked about the pendulum. The limit is yes or no, unless you have like the letters written down underneath, but also there comes a certain point. Uh, I think I want to talk about this later. I'm going to talk about this later. We're going to put this on pause. We're going to put a pin in this because <laughs> it's a lot bigger. So I don't want it to. Hmm. Yeah, never mind. I'll do it. I'll do it now. Um, what I was getting at is when we use divination tools, what we're doing is, in a sense, the way that I see it is, is giving away our power a little bit, um, sometimes for people a lot. And that's something that we need to to understand and keep in mind when we're using any tool that is in our own body. Because when I'm referencing myself and asking myself what I need and what I want, asking my body and my energy, my higher self, that's going to be, in my opinion, the best way to work. Because I'm not venerating my spirit guides, my my past loved ones, any other, like, you know, like we have deities and stuff that we work with. And sometimes what happens is, and I've seen this a lot, people get too caught up in like looking, still looking outward for their answers. So it's like, I'm trying to heal. I, I, I guess the example that comes to mind is like, I'm looking for external validation. So instead of like healing that piece of me that looks for external validation so that I can validate myself, I'm now turning to another external source, like a spirit guide or a deity to validate me, right? And that's where we don't want to lead ourselves because we're still perpetuating the cycle. I mean, yeah, perhaps we're looking to better people than say our parents or, you know, an ex or something, right? Like that might be hurting us and only doing what they want, but we're still not relying on ourselves and valuing ourselves and putting ourselves like first in that regard. So it's important, like when you use the divination tools and you're looking, oh, I'm seeking for an, I'm seeking an answer, but like outside of myself to just know, like 
when is the fine line in which it's like, okay, yeah, of course, like I'm, I might be biased. I might be clouded by judgment or emotions or whatever. And I need something to spell it out for me, to remind me, to kick me in the pants, whatever it is, but not to take it too far where I'm just like, okay, like I am consistently turning to the cards, consistently turning to the pendulum, consistently turning to this for answers instead of asking myself and relying on my intuition and myself to make these answers, right? Because really what divination is, is it's a way to funnel that divine information so it makes a little bit more sense for us. And you can do that with your intuition and that's kind of what you're doing. Like you're divining what your answer would be, what you need most, And then you're getting the answer. So we just want to make sure that we're using it in that kind of way instead of like, I'm looking to everything else instead of making the decision. I'm passing the buck, right? I'm not, um, I'm not giving myself the power to make the decision. I'm not empowering myself. And so with that said, some tools will stop working when you've kind of surpassed them. So Um, I've seen this most commonly with pendulums. When I first started, I was mentoring under a psychic. When I first started learning how to be a psychic, I had a lot of trouble trusting myself. And so that's why I used divination tools um, in the beginning because it's like, okay, it's hard for me to trust myself that I'm getting the right answers. But if there's like a card in front of me or a pendulum giving me an answer, then I I can't misinterpret that, right? Or there's less chances for misinterpretation. Um, And what happens is like, especially if you have cheeky guides, um, and they know what your intention is. Your intention is to, you know, grow so that you can, well, for me, so that I can become a, like psychic and, and not have to rely on these things. If you keep using your pendulum for too long, it might start giving you mixed messages and mixed signals. And that usually is a sign for you that you've outgrown it, that you no longer need to rely on this to trust yourself, to listen to your intuition, that you can move past that. And you can start using like your own intuition, your own abilities without anything, or maybe you, your goal is to go from pendulum to tarot or whatever it is, whatever um, divining method you use, right? Um, Or like if you're relying on it too much, it might start sending you mixed signals because it's like we already gave you the answer and you're not listening. You're just trying to find the answer that best suits you and not the one that actually is there in front of you. So that's why it's like good to use divination because it can really help us focus um, what we need to focus on. But sometimes if we use it too much or we're not listening to what the message is, then it's, it's the sort of goes back to the limit of the tool. Like it's going to be like, okay, well, you're not listening. So I'm going to keep giving you the same answer. Nothing's going to change, or it's going to come out wonky because you've been relying on it too much and you need to, you know, move past that point. So that's just something to think about. Um, I would say not, every form of divination has like that limit of like the pendulum where like it'll break or it won't work anymore but you can still have your bias like just to acknowledge like am I just keep do I keep doing tarot card readings because I want to get a specific answer and I'm not right and as a psychic reader and tarot card reader like obviously that's something I've run into is like people come to you because they want a specific answer and they're not ready to hear the answer that they actually most need. Um, so that goes along with kind of what I was saying about understanding your bias. So just make sure we're not just turning to it for the easiest path out, the answer that we want. We're understanding that this is a sacred practice. We're 
accessing divine information and that we should acknowledge that, that it's not about finding what suits us best, what makes it easiest for us, what, you know, proves that we were right or whatever. It's, you're not always going to get the answer that you want because when you seek divine um, information, more likely than not, the divine information is not worried about human aspects that we're worried about. It's more going to guide you towards like, what's the cycle that you need to break? What is the pattern that you're stuck in? What is the trauma that you need to integrate or overcome? Um, What is, you know, whatever that like self-healing and self-growth, that's more likely than not going to be the answer that you get. And so just acknowledge that, that, I know that's why a lot of readers don't read for themselves because we have such a strong bias when it comes to people we know or our own thing that it's it's hard for us to hear and listen. So it's like if we use a divination tool or we you know we hire another reader or another person who does like tarot or something like that, then we can get the message more clearly because that person is less biased. They're just giving you the straight, you know, as straight as possible div- like divine information. So it is important to acknowledge that if you are going to use these things that you should take them seriously and you shouldn't just be messing around to get the answer that you want. Um, and know that no matter how many times you change it, it's probably still going to be the same answer if you haven't integrated it and you haven't changed and done anything. And also another use is like, if you're getting the, a lot of the time, the guides, your spirit guides, they don't come in so clear which also in my Master Your Energy course, I help you to make your intuition come through like 10 times clearer. That's one of the many outcomes of it. Um, so if that's an issue with you, you want to like just learn how to up your intuition so you don't need to rely so much on divination stuff. That's there. Link in the bio and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but if we, you know, we get like weird mixed messages from our guides, then we can use the divination stuff that helps to put it into perspective for us. That's like a a really good way to use divination. Um, And with that said, like my personal, like number one, besides all that stuff that we just talked about, the next tip that I would, the next secret (laughs) that I would want to share with you is making sure we're asking the right questions, right? As we see with pendulums, because this is the simplest one, it's a yes or a no, right? Yes, no, inconclusive. Um, you have to ask the right question to get the answer. You can't ask an open-ended question to something that gives you a yes or a no answer. And the same thing goes for whenever we're using any divination tool, even asking our guides and using our intuition, we need to make sure we're asking the right questions. And I always talk about asking yourself empowering questions. So we don't want to, in my opinion, I don't like to ask yes or no questions. I like to ask questions that will get me to the answer that I'm seeking. So a lot of people are like, I don't know why I feel like this. I don't know why this is happening. Instead of saying, I don't know, ask an empowering question. Why is this happening? What is the reason that this thing is happening? Can you please show me X, Y, and Z? Can you enlighten me about X, Y, and Z? Can you show me the path to healing or what I need to do in order to heal this instead of like those limiting questions, right? So whenever I'm doing live readings for people and or readings in general for people, they'll usually ask me whatever question like, should I get back with my ex? And 
I always reframe that question when I ask it to divine, like source, right? I always ask it to see like, either what do they most need to know? Like, what do they most need to learn or know in this like situation with their ex? Um, What is going to be for their highest good? Like, I always try and reframe it to, to be more of like a learning opportunity or to get a better answer because it's like, should I get back with my ex? Like, yes or no. Right. But really, why are they wanting to get back with their ex? What is the cycle that's going on? What is the, the feeling that they're going through? So I'll ask a more empowering questions. Like, what do they need to know about this? And it's like, okay, well, the reason why you want to get back with your ex is because you're perpetuating this program or this cycle that you're not good enough and your ex treated you like garbage. So you're going to go back to them because you don't think that you're good enough. So that's the thing that you need to spend your time and energy on in healing instead of worrying about your ex. And that's usually, I feel like in my opinion, that's kind of like what we're here for, what leaders in the spiritual community are here for any practitioner of any kind. That's our job. In my opinion is to help people like, they come to us for a reason because we can see that because we understand that's how that stuff works. And I would rather them spend their time and heal that than just be like, no, okay, fine. No, you know, cause it's usually they're looking for a specific answer. Anyways, they usually want you to tell you, yes, get back with your ex. But, um, it's not about that. Like I would be, I would feel like, kind of like I wasn't doing my job or doing any justice if I wasn't helping them to heal, to, to grow instead of just giving them a yes or no answer. Um, and a lot of people don't want to hear that. They're not ready for it. Um, but that's why I think whenever you work with this kind of stuff, asking yourself those empowering questions is going to be better. So just be careful, like how you're wording your questions, what you're asking, you know, when in doubt, always tack on for my highest good that I need to know right now at this moment that is most needed for me in this place where I am right now. Like ask, putting that on there will make sure that one, it's a, it's also a form of protection, right? You're not going to get other energies or beings coming through and giving you like cheeky, you know, trickster answers or, or fearful answers that you're always thinking about whatever for your highest good. And if you don't subscribe to highest good, you can whatever your highest timeline, if you, whatever verbiage that you use that you resonate with, just keep that in mind. Because if we're just asking questions for, oh, what do I feel right now? Can I have the answer? You might be feeling shitty. So you might get something that's like closer to that, like vibration, I guess, for lack of a better word. And that's only going to get you so far. But if you're always framing it for my highest good, that's going to help you get farther and farther and farther, you know, reaching upward, upward, upward into the ladder into where you actually truly want to be instead of just five minutes in front of you, you're thinking 10 years in front of you. So really asking yourself empowering questions is my second tip. Like, just phrase it in that way. If you're like, oh, why is it like this? Why do I keep, you know, like, how can I change this? Like, if the problem is there, and you know what the problem is, ask yourself, like, why, why am I having resistance to this? What is coming up for me? What do I why is this showing up? Like what pattern am I needing to heal or address or am I missing? Um, Like questions like that. Um, And then the last piece that I do want to talk about, because this is a huge part of why I'm doing this podcast too, 
is acknowledging the antiquated parts of your divination practice. I'm going to use tarot as an example for this because it's the most popular one and it's the one that has the most antiquation in it. And by antiquated, I don't mean um, it's ancient. I mean that it calls upon older beliefs and practices that are harmful. So with tarot and the time that it was created, it took from Jewish religion, from Hermetic order, um, which is a whole thing. Um, And so it uses a lot of different pieces that are racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, etc. Right? Like the original artwork was drawn by a like a queer person of color. Nobody acknowledges that. Um, And all of the imagery is like white people, right? Like it's, it's very like heteronormative patriarchal imagery. And that is something to, it's kind of like referencing back, know the limits of your tools, right? The thing that you're using, like, maybe it doesn't resonate so much with you because it has these undertones or the practice, you know, maybe that's not something you want to keep perpetuating. So I know there's like a huge movement now with tarot of like, there's so many like indie creators and artists that are creating tarot decks that are like queer friendly, people of color friendly, like, all different lifestyles, all these different things. So just really think about that whenever you're using, like, obviously, like, the tea leaves. Like, I don't feel like there's going to be anything, like, racist in tea leaves. So you probably don't have to do anything, you know, if you're if you're using the tea leaves, right? But it's just, like, acknowledging, like, okay, is this practice something that's a closed practice? Is it cultural appropriation if I use this? Um, is it, like you know, from a culture that I'm not a part of that maybe like, they might not be so happy. Like, I'm never going to try the hoodoo um, form of cardamancy where you use a deck of cards. Like, that's a closed practice. Like, I'm not part of any of the ancestral lineages that use and practice hoodoo. So like, that would be fucking dumb for me to do that, right? Like, I would probably be pissing off a lot of deities and a lot of ancestors. So I'm not going to use that. So it's just like acknowledging those pieces and then acknowledging the pieces that like are erasing cultures that are, you know, like stereotyping cultures that are excluding them, et cetera. Um, And, and taking from that, like use your intuition, right? Like what you feel like, if you're doing like the shadow man scene, you're like, oh, cool. I want to work with deities. Yeah. Okay. Like be careful what deities you're working with. Like not every deity works with every person. Um, not, I mean, and there's some people that do work with all deities, but they do it in a specific way. They make sure that they're acknowledging them. So it's just like, whatever your belief is, just make sure that it's your belief, your intuitive belief, and not just what somebody else said, but Sorry, my dog's like traipsing around now um, and drinking water. (laughs) Um, But just acknowledging that, like where it comes from, who created it, if it's an open or closed practice, like is it racist or anti-Semitic? Like a lot of tarot has like stuff taken from, you know, the Torah and Jewish religion um, because that's kind of like interwoven with the Hermetic order. Um, 
because like Jewish mysticism and, and in that time, there's a whole thing with like the religion of Wicca and it's like very anti-Semitic and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention any of that because it's important. Like all these things that I was reading off, it's like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, that's really cool. I'm going to try that. Like, okay, well, is this something that's like specific to Islamic culture or is it like an open practice that I can do? Just ask yourself that. Um, and yeah, honestly, like, especially with tarot being the main example, like only buy cards or things that resonate with you, right? Like I'm not going to buy runes because I don't have any origin with cultures that use like runes. Like I'm not Norse, you know, like I'm not Celtic, so I'm not going to use those. Um, and like with tarot like I have decks that are like witchies because like I'm a witch and I have like you know I resonate with the art style so if you're like there's a queer one that I really like and different things like that so yeah it's just important as a practitioner to make sure we're doing our part (laughs) um and I think that's I think that's everything that I have for divination tips I'm gonna ask my guides really quick if there's anything else. Hmm. Yeah, they're just saying, like, respect it, use it with love, know that it's, like, not just a regular-ass thing, right? Like, that I kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, And also, shout out to our number one patron, Emma. <laughs> Thank you for supporting us. And in the month of October, I'm going to be dropping um, some merch because why not buy spooky themed stuff during October? Um, and if you want to buy, I on my I know I plugged like my course and some other stuff that's going to come up through intuitive development um, on my website and I'll put it in our show notes and links and things. I also have an apothecary shop. I literally hand forage in my neighborhood, like all the herbs that I turn into the oils and the smoke cleansing wands and things like that. And they're all spooky themes. So if you're looking for something like a, an oil, a bath bomb, or actually it's a bath soak, um, a spray, anything that you want to use that's witchy, that's um, very, very handmade. Like, I'm not buying this stuff from Amazon and using it. Like, I'm literally going out there and cutting it and communing with the plant and then coming back and making it into things. Um, So that's also on my website. They're all really fun. They smell really amazing. I have a bunch of stuff on my Instagram about it. And, oh, yeah, of course, I'm going to be releasing another episode on Friday because I was gone for two weeks and I love all y'all and I just want to make sure to keep doing it. So yeah, that one's going to be what I talked about, the spiritual cleansing and protection, or I guess like energetic cleansing and protection of spiritual. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I guess not. Okay. Until next time, thank you all for listening and have an amazing week. If you love Witchy and Weird podcasts, support us by donating monthly for as little as 99 cents at anchor.fm slash witchyandweird slash support. You can cancel at any time and 100% of the proceeds go directly to the pod. 
or if you don't want to commit to a monthly donation, buy Amanda a coffee at ko-fi.com slash wishyandweird to help fuel them while they record, edit, create, and upload content for the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell your witchy and weird friends about us too. Bye!